know. And I guess the first thing I want to say is welcome to what I hope is the best Wednesday morning of your life. Uh, it's time for the Freedom Coffee live stream. This is where we celebrate the freedoms that we have. And we all together share ideas on how to expand those freedoms in the future. And how do we do that? We do that uh, like all good things begin with a cup of Freedom Coffee. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's reversed in, in locals. I can't change that. But anyways, everything starts with an idea. And the best ideas come when we are calm. So step number two is to focus on our state of positivity. And we do that with our coffee and all us coming together and sharing our ideas. Ryan, what's up, brother? Ryan, what up, peeps? I'm officially a civilian. Well, uh, congratulations, I guess. You'll have to send me a message in um, uh, in Twitter. I want to know what what happened and how, what kind of went on behind the scenes. So congratulations to you, brother. Good morning, Jesse. I, we are here. Everybody's here. I know. We're, we're starting to, to come in. I've, um, I'm starting to get a hold of this, and I think I might have found out the scheduling issue that I had, so I'm going to try to to work on that. The next stream might even do a couple of tests later on today. By the way, later on today at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, if you're on Twitter, there's a Twitter space that I host with Brendan uh, Gentili who is from the United States, a uh, former hockey player uh, who is in the Bitcoin slash political space sort of thing. And we're, uh, we run this every Wednesday at one o'clock. So join on Twitter. I think the link is already uh, within my feed and hop up on stage and come share ideas. We only do it for an hour before uh, Toxic Happy Hour. And sometimes you go a little bit over, but uh, if you want to talk about politics, and I think today is going to be quite a few things to talk about, especially uh, for many of them who are Americans, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. First thing is, we got to slow down. There's so much noise that's been going on this week, and I think this is a good opportunity to just kind of stop for a little bit, sit back, look at how beautiful it is outside, at least where I am today. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's the summer. The world hasn't collapsed, despite the fact that legacy media and alternative media may want some alternative media want to uh, convince us that the world has uh, has collapsed. Um, but it's, be it's absolutely beautiful out, and uh, Trudeau does his best Mussolini impression. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the guy's done. He's um, his not only his career is over but he's going to sink the entire liberal party with him that that party will no longer exist if they continue uh no electronics in the bird rooms sorry okay well um why is that jesse i'm just curious uh what's what's the rationale behind that but how does um wait how does uh, rocky watch the live streams if there's no electronics in the bird rooms anyways um let's talk about a couple of things first Let's, uh, I, hopefully we can dispel some fears. Uh, let's start with a little bit of artificial intelligence. AI, the big scary thing that um, I used to be quite concerned about AI as well until AI came on the scene and we all learned how it worked. 
And we realized, I think a lot of us realized, it's only as smart as, well, not quite the dumb and human, but um, <laughs> it's only as smart as us because AI is, the, the current AI, how it functions, these language models, it is, it basically just mines data and does a predictive word algorithm and it predicts what to say based on what human beings historically said. Uh, so there's no actual intelligence. That's why it's artificial intelligence. And it's just a mirror of ourselves. And I said a few times that I think the, um, the concern is really blown out of proportion. That's not to say AGI might be something different. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but what it, do, what it does have the potential to disrupt, I think, in a negative way, is an idea I remember from James Burke in the late 70s, early 80s, I think one of his documentaries, when he was talking, I think it was, the, was it The Day the Universe Changed? One of those uh, documentary series. And he talked about during the Middle Ages, where when, they, when the church essentially was running society, it was a combination of church and feudalism that was running Western Europe at the time. And it was this concept and this idea that everything old was new, that there was very little. And it, it, there's a lot of dispute on this theory, by the way. But from his perspective, that uh, there wasn't much innovation during that period of time because the entire, that part of the world was, um, it was stuck in a mode of uh, just survival, just basic survival. It's part of the reason we refer to it as, as the Dark Ages. And the idea is that what's AI, in this language model, going to do to literature and authors and audiobooks, where it kind of originally started from? Because at the end of the day, people who write books, books like this one, Honking for Freedom, honkingforfreedom.com, by the way, please share it with as many people as possible. Like, share, subscribe. And... Um, including Substack. The, uh, the idea is that what is good this language model going to do when, if it gets powerful enough that you can just kind of log on to it and say, hey, hey, AI, uh, or hey, chat, GBT, do me a favor. Just summarize this book. I don't have time to read it. Can you just summarize it in, you know, in under three minutes? Or uh, AI, uh, can you read me uh, this book? whatever book it is, I don't know, Hawking for Freedom or something else, uh, just start reading me the book. Well, what's that going to do? What kind of disruption will that bring to the uh, audiobook and literature industry? And if that's the case, if there's no more incentive, good morning, Lisa, if there's no more incentive to produce books, who's going to write books anymore? And it, will it just be, now obviously there will always be people, uh, but they, literature and books might go the way of everything else that's being politicized where it becomes overly uh, preachy and just the woke supremacists and other religious extremists might want to produce uh, literature because they're driven by uh, their addiction, right? That's what, what fuels them. They get the dopamine by promulgating their addiction. So I don't know, just an interesting... Um, uh, conversation I think we should have like what is what are the protections going to be uh, personally I don't fear AI I, I use it uh, regularly now 
Uh, I think it's amazing. It's so helpful in terms of productivity once you figure out. It doesn't take over everything. It's just like a small little category of things that it helps with and very limited in scope. And that's part of the reason, from my perspective, the fear of AI is um, the equivalent to the fear of Y2K. Remember that? But uh, I don't know. Uh, that's AI. AGI, Artificial General Intelligence. That's like the movie 2001 Space Odyssey. That might be something different, but I think we're 100 years away from that. Maybe not. Maybe more. I don't know. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Ryan says, I'm looking forward to AI dating apps that can match you with people based on stuff like your browser history, your Netflix history, and your credit score, etc. Yeah, but Ryan, you know what the problem with that is? Who, I, for me... Who wants to date somebody who's exactly like you? Like, I've always believed you don't want to date somebody who has all these, all the same things in common that you do. You want to date somebody who maybe has a similar world philosophy. I think that is important. But who has a whole bunch of hobbies on their own that are separate from yours and has a bunch of behavioral traits that are separate, that are, that complement you, right? You want people who, if you're very outgoing, um, then maybe you want somebody who's a little bit more reserved, who kind of you, you balance each other's out. Uh, if you're somebody who's not very good with budgeting, maybe you want to date somebody who's, I don't know, an accountant. So the two of you together uh, complement one another. Uh, just my perspective. But anyways, we had a little space on, we went down that direction on dating uh, maybe last week. So let's, let's not do the same thing again. But um, uh, AI, Jesse, well, AI will increase laziness and it's already prominent. I don't know, Jesse, it's increased my productivity. Uh, it's helped me significantly, right? So it hasn't, um, it hasn't, I mean, if you're lazy, you're lazy. Uh, I'm not, I'm always doing something. So it just becomes another tool of, uh, that'll make me more, more productive. Hold on one second. Ugh. Itchy nose. It's itchy. It's just itchy. So, um, I don't know. And Jesse says, who wants to date at all? I just want to hang out with my friends sometimes. Yeah, that's, listen, you do what's right for you, right? Everyone's different and has, uh, has different needs. And I think that's also, there's a, we're seeing a lot of that going on online. There's a little preachiness and telling people how they should be living their lives. And I get that. I understand where it comes from, but I, I think it might be going a little too far right now. Um, you know, we see, well, I don't have to tell you, I'm sure you see it on all your, uh, your YouTube feeds of uh, what is the best way, what you should be doing, what society wants you to do. It's, I don't know, I'm, I'm still on the freedom side that you do what is best for your mental health. And I think if you do that, you're great. Uh, anything can help me do all the blood, nothing I want to do plus in my book. I, you know, it gets cut off by the icon. I got to wait till the the thing streams, Ryan. I can't see what you're, you're writing. There's like a little icon in the chat that prevents me from actually seeing your comment, which is uh, quite annoying and inconvenient. But anyways, um, all right. Anyways. Oh, okay. So I wanted to talk about this. Uh, all this week, I've had a few people. Avril, good morning. Uh, good to see you. All this week, I've had a number of people reaching out to me, uh, asking me to essentially to engage with uh, at least one, maybe two different online trolls. And I laughed. I'm like, oh my God. 
Um, and, you know, people with, um, with good intentions and supportive and all that sort of stuff. And well, why don't you engage with this person? I'm not going to say who this trash is, but why don't you engage with them? Why don't you, you know, uh, debate? And it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's frustrating for a number of reasons, right? Uh, cause I, I did get so many requests to, oh, why don't you engage and go in a space and talk to this person and like the first thing is personally I don't lower myself to that level I really don't yeah I can be a little feisty but I don't I don't do that right um and the the argument I keep hearing from people is um about this particular troll and individual who spent I don't know the better part of a year or more well more uh since during the freedom convoy uh, going out of their way to smear myself and at that time other people involved in the Freedom Convoy. And there's a reason I'm bringing that up. This is political. Uh, this is important. Uh, because the argument that's presented to me is like, well, you know, because I try to explain that this guy's just another Fed. And by Fed, remember, we're using the the common, you know, slang term. doesn't mean they work for a three-letter agency. It makes it means they're an informant for the political class. That the political class pays this person, not necessarily with money, uh, but pays this this person and people like them to go out and smear myself and others. And this has been going on since you know during the Freedom Convoy incidents. This is nothing new, right? This is one of the most common tactics that is used. So, um, and one of the arguments I got in you know uh, pushed back at me saying. Well, how, could, how what do you mean? What do you mean he's a, he's a Fed slash informant? What do you mean? He was there in Ottawa. And I just like, <laughs> yes, of course he was. He was there because he is an informant. And he's there to persuade you as he smears myself and others. That's the whole point. That's why he had to be there. You know, this particular person ran spaces all day and night, you know, for hours at a time. Why do you think he did that? He did that because he's an informant and he's there to persuade you against the people who were doing their best to keep the Freedom Convoy together. It, you see this phenomenon a lot. You know, Hurt Locker, uh, Tom, and all these other fucking losers same thing. They do, they'll do the whole, oh, I support the Freedom Convoy. I supported it. And then in the same, t the, the other side of their mouth, start criticizing, ridiculing, and smearing the people who helped make the Freedom Convoy. It's because they're not on your side. They're not on the side of the Freedom It's what my friends in the U.S. who are watching all this stuff online laughing, saying, are Canadians that naive? Like, they've never seen how political operatives work, how they infiltrate. Like, this is textbook what they do and so yeah you know we we do tend to be a little bit uh naive but that's the grift that's the grift is to send in people who want to be close to politicians want to be i don't know perceived as being influential and they get involved in movements they try to attach themselves uh to the movement to persuade all of you against the people who are putting it together to then take a dump on everybody who's involved. It is the basic principle of divide and conquer. It's so, it's, it's as old as civilization itself. Well, maybe almost as old, not quite as old, right? And that's why they were during the convoy, 
during the convoy, defaming myself and Tamara and many others. Remember they were going on their stream saying, oh, they're, they're stealing the money, they're taking the money, oh, they have all the Bitcoin, they have this and that. All of this is a matter of public record. It's in court documents that everything was, as, is an escrow. This is not a surprise, but they continue to promulgate it because it's not about truth. It's about smearing people like myself and others and manipulating you. And they sometimes take the most autistic idiots that they can who are good at one or two persuasion tactics and they use that for divide and conquer. In my case, the individual I'm talking about, um, yes, Jesse, that's correct. In my particular case, I was in a space once or twice with the, one of the individuals I'm talking about during the, towards the end of the convoy and maybe one after, I don't remember. Uh, but there were twice, and it's gish gallop after gish gallop, one after another, one after another. And you'll see this all the time from the political hacks. They'll, they'll use this strategy frequently. Now, what is it? Make a whole long list of assertions, so 20 different assertions, frame it as though it's just one question, and then if you can't refute that one question or 20 assertions that require so much context to explain, then you're the liar. That's what they try to do. So it, it'll, it, it, I mean, I dealt with it twice. And as soon as I tried to respond and say, okay, stop one thing at a time. Well, just let me finish my question. No, that's not a question. That's a list of accusations. And you want a list of accusations responded and refuted to in one sentence that's that's not possible that's why it's actually it's a prohibited tactic in formalized debates you're not allowed to do that right but most people don't understand that uh, and this is the type of thing these are the this is the strategy that this trash uses right that's just the way it is and it's designed to play on your emotions it's designed to get you into a frame where you're very very emotional they'll console you we hear you yeah everything's falling apart i love you yeah freedom blah 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 but these people, assertion, 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 and do it through repetition, right? And this is not unique to one side of the political spectrum. Like we like to uh, criticize Climate Barbie with her whole statement of, you know, if you say your talking point enough times, eventually people will believe it. The other side of the aisle does the exact same thing. They all do that, all of them. This is one of the reasons so many of us are untrusting of politicians, no matter their stripe. Because they all do this, right? Um, took me in a blah, blah, blah. Avril, okay. Um, show me, be kind. You don't have to like someone, but you should always be kind. Please uh, understand that. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think, Jesse, the, the idea is you try, to, you try to start from a point of positivity and respect. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to dismiss people. Sometimes you have to strategically respond. And sometimes you need a sledgehammer. There's a whole toolbox, right? And I remember a manager I used to work with uh, many years ago who taught me a lot about management. He once said to me, if you always cut with the knife, eventually it gets dull. But once in a while, you need to sharpen it, right? And it's the same for this. So... You know, but when people don't start from the position of any sort of respect and it's just assertion, 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 playing on your emotions, 
trying to build the mob against uh, individuals or a group of people who clearly were just out there trying trying to do our best. We did everything we could, uh, even in the face of all the people that were sabotaging us or trying to capture members of us, of our group to sabotage us. Uh, you know, we did our best, right? And it's so easy for people like that to play Monday morning quarterback and to say, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. Like, you know what? You didn't wake up to the list of 100 uh, fires that we had to put out every day because they have no concept of what was going on, right? They just sat by the sidelines and said to people, oh, yeah, we're here, but they were just political ops, right? Uh, I was in those spaces, BJ, and... Um, this person during the convoy it was brutal yeah because it was brutal in what it was just assertion after assertion after assertion lie after lie after lie about myself and other people and the tactic is called politically in, and in marketing it's called narrative poisoning is what they're trying to do that's why there's so many people that are really confused you see you see people starting to come out of the narrative poisoning right now uh, as they continually are pumped for money and it gets to the point where people start to realize it, it's that saying I love from Plinkett by the way red letter media shout out uh, you know your eyes don't see it but your brain does and that's what people are starting to realize that wait a year and a half of pumping people for money raising five million dollars for, for uh, legal fees for just a couple of people uh, for a board and a couple of people while everybody else was sold out and abandoned some people start to ask questions it's a small percentage it's usually around 15 percent of people that stay moderately skeptical and are waiting to hear wait there's something more to the story and then that helps with the momentum and we're at that point right now where people have been pumped enough and they're not seeing anything from it other than more and more and there's something wrong and there's a second reason you do that politically uh, it's because all of us have a limited number of funds that we can donate to causes that we care about right so when you get a call or an email or whatever if you're the political establishment you want to ensure anybody who is contacted for a donation or to help with a cause is going to respond with I'd love to help, but I've already donated to X cause. That's why they do it. It's not that they need money. They need to block others who have been abandoned and have no representation and need to fundraise. They need to exhaust all the potential donations to those people so they can, they can coalesce it for themselves. It's a control play within the political establishment. Now, there's going to be more on this sometime soon because something big just happened uh, this week behind the scenes and I'll inform you all more of that uh, soon related to all of this stuff but that's that's part of the tactic so this is the continual grift from political convoy <laughs> that's going on and I'm sure you've seen some of the back and forth on Twitter as Chad uh, posted a couple of interesting facts this week I did the same as well and I know uh, those of you in the chat here are waking up to, hold on, there's something wrong. And that's why I said, a while, how long ago was it now? Nine months ago I started the stream? Ten months ago? Six months ago? Seven? Something like that. That's why I started with was the Freedom Convoy sabotaged, right? Because now you're starting to see that, although you might have thought it was crazy when I brought it up, 
hold on, some pieces are starting to fit together. And I posted that tweet from Chris Barber, uh, the team, him, Tamara, and that um, shit rat, Keith Wilson. I'm going to be posting an amazing video uh, of him in Twitter soon that I'm sure none of you have seen, or few of you have seen. But, uh, yeah, that's the team. Yeah, <laughs> that's the team. <laughs> so the thousands of truckers that were there, all of you that were on the ground, uh, people like myself doing the, the media strategy and all the interviews, and, by the way, making some decisions while some of them just ran away for days at a time. But that's the team. <laughs> it's so good. And they think it's going to work in their favor. You know, it's going to... It's going to blow up gloriously, unfortunately, for them. And uh, I don't know what they're going to do politically because uh, I would hate to be them when people find out what's uh, what's going on. Someone needs to put, post all the spaces in Discord. Uh, I never know when there is... Oh, you know what? That's a good idea, Jesse. Maybe we should do... Um, uh, maybe we should create a room just for space, a room, a channel just for spaces. So anytime a spaces is going up, we can post the link in there. And also, I don't know if today I was thinking about experimenting with Noster, which is a Twitter uh, competitor that's decentralized, to maybe just simultaneously at the same time put it on Noster and put it on um, Twitter Spaces because Twitter Spaces is for mobile. Uh, for your cell phone, Noster, you can actually uh, do the exact same functionality, I believe, uh, on a desktop or a laptop. Uh, Lisa, he was arrogant, loud, and wouldn't let anyone talk. Uh, he's having his temper tantrum stop, uh, stomping his feet, saying, listen to me, I'm awesome. Yeah, listen, this is what happens when there are, look, there's certain people that, latched on, that latch on to politics. There's a group of them that are mentally unstable. Now, there's no shortage of drug addicts in politics, alcoholics, and people who have very serious mental problems. Uh, that's who's running the country, by the way, just so you know. Um, so it's it's not... And the, the reason the political class often uh, looks to those people, just like all cults, is because people like that are lost, so they can give them, give them a little bit of purpose. And when they do that, then they can control them, right? Like I mentioned in one of the last things, it's always we've got to control the messaging. Got to control the messaging. Um, he's now a PPC mouthpiece. Yeah, but that party's also, uh, unfortunately, sorry for, for everybody, that is a co-opted party that is more political establishment than anything else. Uh, it's controlled political establishment. Um, that's about right here, blah, blah, blah. Come to think of it, if he showed up seven the same time Max did. Yes, he did. So there was, I remember we were going on the stage, was it the second, I think it was the first week, first weekend or second weekend, I can't remember, and then, and uh, Maxine Bernier and Derek Sloan were trying to basically push themselves on the stage. Uh, Pastor Hildebrand finished his speech, and then myself, Tamara, uh, spoke, and uh, they were, uh, Maxine Bernier and Derek Sloan, who clearly... I mean, they're also p paid political ops. Sorry, everybody. It's just how it works. Canada's run by a group of cartels. And uh, so they were trying to push themselves onto stage. And I said to Tamara, I said, get them out of here, please. This is not, we agreed from the very beginning, this is not a political 
uh, event. This is not for political parties, which is very concerning to hear her now say we were all there for political reasons. Uh, no, no, that's not what we agreed to on the phone, right? And she knows that. But uh, they put her in difficult positions, I guess. I don't know. So, um, yes, uh, yes, they were there all around. They all came. It's like the, bu the bus of losers from hell showed up in Ottawa around the same time that the plane from hell of losers showed up in uh, Ottawa, with the exception of Chad. Chad was on that plane. So uh, I think there's a couple of good people on that. I'm not sure. I might be wrong, but Chad was there. Um, and then you had boots on the ground more than Tamara did, and you were uh, broken. Um I was accessible to everybody every day, and I had two people going to the, uh, there were morning, uh, quick morning meetings uh, at the, uh, about security at uh, the Swiss Hotel, and uh, they would come, because I couldn't go there, because it would take me an hour and a half to get there, uh, if I could, so they would come back and tell me everything that was going on, because we tried to do... Um, uh, calls, but because it's in the basement, the, the cell phone signal, that was, I mentioned that in the POEC testimony, because the cell phone signal was poor, it never really worked. We tried a couple of times, but uh, it just, and I, I don't really, you know what, like I made some suggestions early on to secure the money, uh, to secure legal representation before the plane from hell, uh, and a whole bunch of other things, and I was, you know, shot down by, well, Tamara said, oh, we already have it taken care of. And I'm like, I, you don't have it taken care of. This needs to be done now. And no, 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 we'll be fine. Okay, fine. And that's at that point, I decided, well, the only thing I can ensure that will stay uh, stable and secure is the messaging, which is what uh, John Carpe every day, every day, that fucking loser is trying to send me an email. You need to listen to... This is our PR person. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but get the fuck out. You weren't invited. And now he's grifting around Peterson and everybody else, milking all of you for money. Um, but anyways, we're, we'll talk more about that over time. Um, she got caught if she had to go somewhere or when she waited to be arrested. Uh, that's basically it. Yeah, that video of her asking to be arrested is really weird. Uh, I'd love to have an explanation for that, but although I'm not sure I would trust the explanation. So, uh, you know, the the best way, like, how do you, it was really interesting around that time. I remember when I saw um, the crying video, remember she went out crying and I remember thinking, what the fuck she doing? I just spoke to her an hour and a half ago. Everything was fine. What is she doing? And um, that's the one where she was in the hotel room and, oh, Trudeau's got kids and whatever. Okay, I get the message. I understand that. And um, and then, you know, she goes out and she gets arrested. I didn't know about the video of uh, her and one other person as well. Apparently, were trying to get arrested. Like, I didn't know that was happening uh, because, I don't know, we're just miscommunication, so many things going on, whatever it was. And somebody told me the next morning, no, it was intentional, it was a setup. I'm like, come on. Even I was like, it's not a setup. Uh, something's going on. But the one thing I did know from political activism is the person who gets, uh, who gets arrested on TV gets the glory and gets the bags, meaning the money, right? That's first rule of political activism. It was, um, and right around that time, the few days leading up to it, it was so funny. 
to hear them uh, blatant, just all out bullshit during the POEC and, and make a mockery of that whole proceeding. Uh, one of the lawyers is like, oh, is it true that nobody was talking to you? You weren't around. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's the video of me on stage with them on February 13th. I was talking to them every day just before the crying video. Tamara was in my hotel room. But what was interesting is leading up to that a few days before, and I guess the uh, Big Con Canada Inc., which is now Political Convoy, uh, who are infiltrating us, uh, they must have realized for the three days leading up to that, all the media inquiries were going directly to me. Because they would go to Tamara, and Tamara would be like, hey, so we got an email. If she would get one, she would send it to me. And then after a while, the even legacy media and alternative media just skipped the step and just went directly to me, and everything would work out fine. And I guess uh, because Political Convoy knew I'm not part of their political grift, I'm not there to prop them up, they had to, I guess, figure out a way to take the momentum away? Like, that's the only thing I can think of, like, logically, thinking about how, how these sort of political ops work. That's the only thing I could think of was, you know, go out and try to and get arrested or something, and uh, then it'll reassert you as the single person behind the convoy or something. I don't know. I'm just speculating right now. Who knows? Who knows what went on? But uh, anyways. All right. Trudeau Mussolini. <laughs> good morning, Cheryl. It's good to see you. I hope you're well. And, um, you know, I, we were talking about the, your loss in the past couple of weeks. And somebody sent me, I don't know if I should say it publicly, but somebody uh, sent me a message last night over Twitter of two new additions to their family, two cats, and one of them is named Daisy. And I thought, oh, I wonder if it's somebody who knows Cheryl or has been watching. So uh, you never know. Oh, look, you're all hugging each other. You, you're going to make me cry. You're awesome. Uh, Avril, I saw that crying vid. Yeah, it was just, it was weird, right? Like, it was just, I remember thinking, like, you were just in my hotel room. What the hell? She went from the hotel room to, I think, this, either the Ark or the Swiss Hotel, one of the others, had a quick meeting with some people, said she was going to go hang out with her husband. Uh, she worded it a little bit more crassly, apparently. And then uh, shot a video. Okay. And it's kind of like, hey, hey, hey. Remember we discuss, discussed throughout this entire thing. Before anybody does that, let the comms team know. Because it wasn't just me. There was a team of us. Let me know so we could message around it. But they, we kept getting blindsided. Like, who knew what was going to hand up? So I had to not only deal with all the other problems. I had to deal with, you know, that coming out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, how do I deal with this? You know, really honed in my my managing blowback skills. But uh, anyways, so Trudeau Mussolini. Um, so you've all seen, there's a little video that came out of him threatening climate lockdowns. <laughs> Can you tell the guy is completely lost control? You know, somebody uh, reached out to me who was a former uh, bigwig in the liberal part. Well, there are a couple of them. There's like five of them now. But one of them specifically said to me that um, he, uh, that the PMO, the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau, whatever, it's only 20 people now. Like, that's it. There's a whole bunch of Liberal Party members, which is much smaller than it used to be. Used to be. They're just sitting and waiting because they don't know what the hell to do, right? They think conservatives are evil. Everybody's evil because they're in a cult. 
but their cult leader has lost their mind and they're just sitting there you know tapping their boots thinking okay uh when's this gonna end and uh you can see they're already gearing up uh to drive those knives in his back good morning sonia you're never late thank you for joining you're awesome so um he <laughs> i love this he threatens uh, I mean, he's not out and out threatening. Uh, he's not using the language of threatening lockdown. So I think I'm going to talk about this on political Bitcoin, by the way. Small point that some people say that legalese is a language onto itself. So you have English, but you also have legalese. That's why when people go to court and Jesse, I know you just went through that. Um, they... They speak in, they use a mix of English and legal Latin terms and those things together because it has to be so precise, that gives you legalese. This is why we always need lawyers as much as possible. Um, but I argue there's something else. There's also what I call speaking politics. And people in politics speak a different language. They are people who are in PR communications in politics, the good ones. Uh, they treat they do it almost as an art form, and they'll put together messages that say as much as possible without saying it directly, which is kind of the problem. That's why people sometimes they'll think something was inferred that wasn't, and then there's other times where something is being inferred but people don't see it, right? It's because they're speaking a different language. So the political equivalent of legalese. So, uh, and Trudeau was using that. He didn't say openly, we're going to lock you down. What does he say? We're going to use so many, what do you say, the techniques, or we learned so much from COVID and how to address uh, the climate, uh, whatever scary issue the fear monger is doing, whatever the, the whole list of reasons you need to be scared, right? And we learned so much from COVID and what we can do, solutions we have or whatever. So that's, that's the politi political equivalent of legalese telling you exactly what he's thinking. And it gives them pl plausible deniability because if they're ever caught, by their own friends in the media, they can say, well, I never said that. I never said that, right? It's the opposite of when they take a, a video and they remove the beginning and the end to strip the context. It's the same sort of thing, right? Same phenomenon. But I, my question is, how does someone lock down when they can't afford their home? <laughs> right? Where do they go? And why can't they afford their home? Oh, yes, that's right. Mass migration right? Economics is the allocation of, of scarce resources among competing wants. So if we have a limited supply of houses and you bring in millions of people, guess what happens? The prices of housing, because of supply and demand, goes through the roof and compo compound the fact that your currency is collapsing. That's why property values are perceived as being so high, right? And if you factor in the currency, property values aren't very high. Your currency has been collapsing all this time. So, um, and remember, and, and the thing that I find frustrating about it, so I watch this thing and I see all these conservatives criticizing Trudeau, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it's authoritarian, it's extreme and whatever. 
I want to take you back on a little journey. I want you to think back to February 2022. There was some event going on. Uh, it was uh, a, a bunch of truckers and a bunch of us in Ottawa and having a little bit, a little protest that was ultimately sabotaged. And I think we've all agreed. Like, I think everybody understands that now at this point. It was sabotaged, right? And I don't know if you remember, but during the Freedom Convoy, our goal was to end mandates and end the Arrive Canada. That was exclusively what we were there for. Nothing more, nothing less. That's it, right? There were many grievances that were introduced there, and that's what allowed us all to come together. But we focused and targeted on things that were obtainable. I remember saying to having this uh, conversation with you know, Tamara, I'm like, you can throw all these things all against the wall, but you need to have something that's obtainable, right? Because if it's obtainable, then we'll have pe we'll, we have a chance of reaching people in the government, especially when it's a policy that's only temporary, right? If it's a permanent policy, it's impossible. Well, it's a lot more difficult. It's got to be legislated. And I said to her, stop with all the other stuff. It has to be mandates and arrive can. Let's just focus on that. And, and freedom, obviously, right? The freedom message and bringing everybody together in a positive way around those two things. I said, stop with all the other stuff. That was part of the people who were sabotaging us because they want to make us look bad. So they want to interject all these proxy organizations that were doing, oh, the vax and blah, blah, blah. Uh, sorry, guys, they're, they're, they're playing you too. Uh, so they wanted to introduce that just to make us look bad and unpalatable to media. That's what they were trying to do. And I said, no, we're mandates and arrive can. We all kind of, uh, I think we all agree. <laughs> but who knows, right? People, people's minds seem to be changing all the time as they rewrite history. So, but do you remember during that time when the Conservative Party was perfectly teed up to challenge Trudeau and possibly put an end to his political career? Do you remember that? I think I mentioned in many interviews that there were a group of liberals that were getting set to form a coalition within the Liberal Party to uh, put forward a non-confidence vote to get rid of Trudeau because even they were getting sick of him and getting sick of this extremist journey that Jerry Butts and Trudeau have taken them down. They were tired of it. And many of them saw that their political opponents were gaining in popularity in their ridings. They're like, okay, well, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not on board for this. So it was perfectly teed up. And what did the conservatives have to do? Something very, very simple. And remember when they say hashtag leadership. All they had to do was come out after the EMA and contact police directly and say, this is a political matter. Stop. Go back. Put pressure, political pressure, on the lower levels of government, on policing, on the city, uh, the, what's it called, the city government, uh, the council of idiots, whatever. All they had to do is, we are the conservative opposition caucus. Stop here. You're not arresting us. This needs a political solution we're going, as Chief Slowly said on February 3rd, we're going to solve this inside Parliament. Everybody, go back to where you were before. That's all they had to do. That's all the Conservatives had to do. So fucking simple, I could do it with my brain closed. 
but they're such cowards. Such cowards. Like, and I said this, like, I had some of them calling me and, and contacting me. And they, I told them, just do that. No. Well, we'll, we'll we're going to evaluate. Yeah, we're, we're going to look and we're going to evaluate. <laughs> going to evaluate. It means we're going to do nothing. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. Right? Uh, but all they had to do is step outside and show some political strength. Right? Uh, the only thing we only thing we saw a glimmer was Pierre Polyev when he uh, he recited that scripted statement that was sent to me uh, a couple of days before. Uh, Diverge Media talks about that in their article, but whatever, it was something, and um, and that's all. And you know why? Because the conservatives are a bunch of fuck ups. Really, they fucked it all up, and they fuck up things all the time. They're so incompetent. It's so frustrating. It really is. If any of them had a spine, I don't mean the fake spine of the posturing and the branding with the music and the pictures. That's all bullshit. Forget what they say. Look at their behavior. What was their behavior during the convoy, right? All they had to do was come out and stand in solidarity. By the way, didn't see Keith Wilson or Tom Razzo or all those other fucking grifters going out and standing in solidarity in front of the cops. If I could have, uh, but unfortunately in a wheelchair, I would have done that. But none of them did, did they? None of them. Just so frustrating, right? Yet they're the, they're the, the team. <laughs> they're the team. <laughs> Anyways. Um, uh, one of the senators spoke to war campaign and condemned him. Condemned who? Uh, I didn't understand that, Jesse. I wish I could put these comments on the screen, but with this uh, this encoder, I can't do that. So I'm not sure. Whatever. Um, Jesse Jack Mead is keeping him in. Yes, because Jack Mead was a provincial MP, but there's no more pensions for provincial MPs in Ontario. Um, Mike Harris got rid of that, and because of that, Jack Mead. Um, like Jack Meat is basically a, a wannabe welfare recipient, is uh, holding on to uh, propping it, uh, Trudeau up so he can get his pension. Isn't that an embarrassment to the Sikh community? If you're a Sikh, if you have such a loser like that as leader of the party, like that can't be a safe place for him, right? I can imagine. I remember the, those videos of him, Jack Neatine, running down the street and sell out sing. Yo, yo, brother, come on, hang out. <laughs> um, why is it, a, a Julie's a great question. Why is the incompetence able to thrive so much makes me sick? I'll tell you why, because people are quiet, because the majority are silent, right? That's the problem. But the also the, there's another problem is sometimes the people who speak up say things that are really not digestible to average people, which is something that the political class leverages to their benefit. That's what Randy Hillier's job is. That's why he would go to like those. Um, remember the Adams Barbecue was protesting was was protesting Doug uh, Doug Ford, and all of a sudden out of nowhere Randy Hillier comes and shows up. He kept doing all these businesses that would get tickets. He would go up and then he'd say something stupid about Hitler or whatever. And then your average, you know, two plus two normie family, all they see is the fake news reporting on some idiot saying Hitler. And they're like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not supporting this. That's what Randy Hillier's job is. That's what he gets paid for. So um, 
Let's move on to the last thing that is uh, interesting today. I think we're going to talk a lot about this on Political Bitcoin Hour today, um, in addition to RFK and Bitcoin, which I haven't even gotten to. Well, yeah, let me get on to that uh, yesterday, uh, from yesterday, last night. So I was in a, um, I was talking to some people in a Bitcoin space, a beginner space for a little bit yesterday, and it was announced that RFK... Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for those of you who don't know. Let me see if I can find uh, the message here. You have 12 minutes left. Um, he posted, or sorry, he said in an interview that he, let me just get it here. I was on uh, Bitcoin Magazine and the Street, that Robert F. Kennedy uh, made an, uh, an announcement during an interview yesterday. Now, I want to preface this by I've been telling you all about Bitcoin. Since the convoy, it's the only money that the government couldn't block. It's hard money. It has a supply cap. No government controls it. No individual controls it. It's decentralized all over the world, right? And if you're a political, if you're a country and you're trying to decide on which currency to use and yours, let's say it's slipping in some way, shape or form, you're not going to go to another competing currency, you're going to a currency that no one controls. It's better no one controls it than your adversary controls it, right? So RFK announces, this is the headline in Bitcoin Magazine, and this is on the street crypto. RFK, announces, RFK Jr. announces bold plan to back dollar with Bitcoin and Bitcoin taxes. Uh, speaking at the heel at a heel and divide PAC event, Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy outlined specific Bitcoin-focused policies that he would enact as pre president, including gradually backing the U.S. dollar with Bitcoin and making Bitcoin profits exempt from capital gains taxes. Now, this is when all of us, because we're we're primed and trained to be negative, uh, we're uh, people who are going to say, well, he's never going like, to get elected. And it's it's the fallacy. It's the, I, gotta, I don't know what fallacy is. I know it's one of them. It's always to dismiss whatever is new. It's a, it's a reaction that we all have. It's a, it's a survival instinct. But the, the problem, the, it's not about him getting elected. It's about him introducing this idea into politics to make it a talking point, to make it uh, as I said in that uh, substack I wrote on uh, his speech in Miami, he's moved the Overton window of what is politically acceptable speech amongst the political class. He's shifted it way over into the Bitcoin and freedom paradox. That's a significant point. So now people are going to start asking Trump about Bitcoin. Now, he, now Trump needs to figure out how are we going to position on He's going to wait as long as possible. But he's going to have to be able to message around it as they realize this is an emerging voting block, right? Uh, which is what I'm trying to help build, as long as, uh, along with other people. So there, uh, this was this is hugely significant. Whether he wins, gets the nomination or not, that's irrelevant. It's the point that this decentralized free money that no government controls, that can't be debased, that your purchase power can't be stolen. He's proposing it as a replacement from the gold standard to go to Bitcoin. Now, there's, there's, there's also counter-arguments to that as well. We'll talk about it another time. Uh, but this is a massive step. I've been telling people 
for years buy Bitcoin. And they always tell me the same thing. At at, um, at $2,000, oh, it's too much. I'm going to wait for it to go down. At four, five thousand, oh, it's 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 going to go down. Six thousand, going to go down. Ten thousand, down. Twelve thousand, going to need to go down. Fifty, fifty thousand, it went down because it's mid cycle. But let's see after the next happening, right? Um, I keep telling people stack sats. Just get a little bit at a time. It's going to potentially change, uh, give you a cushion of comfort that you'll that you'll thank me for in the future. So that's my Bitcoin. So one o'clock, we're going to talk about this more on Political Bitcoin Hour. I'll try to create a space, uh, a channel for Twitter spaces in the Discord, Jesse, and put it there. Um, yes, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, can you tag me on a tweet, please? So, okay, you guys are all talking to each other. <laughs> I'll, and the other thing is, uh, Cheryl says the U.S. dollar is going to is set to crash. Uh, yes and no. Yes, uh, I love this. How Stephen says it. Yes, no, and sort of. Uh, the do- U.S. dollar has always been crashing. Uh, it's continuing to crash. That's why house- housing prices in the U.S. haven't gone up. The price of cars haven't gone up. The conser- conser- currency has been devalued by 98% in the past 100 years, right? So it's always set to crash, like all, um, like all fiat currencies. And when they switched to fiat in 2071... That was, I think, the beginning of the... Well, I don't want to say beginning of the end, because my other point to that is, this is what... Uh, I can't remember who said this. What are they going to go into? What are you going to buy, I don't know, pesos from Mexico or Canadian dollars or or rubles? Like, no, no. They're, it's all, the U.S. is still the strongest economy in the world. The value will plummet, will continue to plummet, but... Where is it going to go? It might go into Bitcoin, it looks like. looks like the U.S. government realizes that they want to send into Bitcoin. Cynthia Loomis, the former treasurer of Wyoming and now a senator, said when she was treasurer, she kept looking for a strong asset uh, to put put Wyoming's treasury in, and she kept coming back to Bitcoin year after year. She couldn't find something that that worked. Then she did a deep dive into Bitcoin and realized, oh my God, this solves all our problems. Right. Uh, yes, no, sort of. Sounds like a Trudeau answer. No clear answer, <laughs> Julie. Uh, n- no, that's that's my saying that things are complex. It's not binary, black and white. There's a lot of gray area, and that's with uh, lots of things, not everything. But this is one of those areas. But uh, don't say I'm like Trudeau. Come on, <laughs> I've never, never put shoe polish on my face. Um, countries are moving away from the petrodollar. I think they're trying to. Um, I don't know. Somebody I, I heard recently that the the collective GDP of the BRICS nations is greater than that of the United the United States. That's 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 worrisome. But what are they going to use? Going to use the the yuan? <laughs> they're not using the yuan. Anyways, they're not because they don't trust each other. None of these countries trust each other. So they need something that is trustless. Bitcoin. Trustless meaning it doesn't require trust because trust is built into the system because everything is verifiable. All right. Um, you guys are awesome. You're, you're so wonderful. Uh, the Trump indictment, which I think we're going to talk about this uh, inevitably in political Bitcoin hour. Um, what do you think? Does this not guarantee his win in 2024? Like, what, what do you think? It's amazing. 
um, the political class's inability to understand human motivation, I think, guarantees that Trump will win. And I say the political class because people have heard other people say similar statements. Scott Adams famously says, the left doesn't understand human motivation. Uh, my experience, it's all the political class don't understand human motivation because they're stuck within the frame of this political cult and they can't see the world outside of it, right? It's, it's a very isolating world for a lot of people that they only get uh, reinforced their ideas. It's this feedback loop, right? And I think that's why they, they do such stupid things. Like these po political targets on Trump, whether you like it or not, like him or not. I've, I've even spoken to people who are like, yeah, I didn't really like Trump before, but uh, I don't like people being uh, targeted politically. Uh, this has got to stop. And the more they do that, the more people will turn and start to have that worldview. But the other thing that's interesting, you know, from a marketing branding perspective, a question I put out to you, for those of you, let's say you, you're, for those of you who are Trump supporters, if there are, right, let's assume you're a Trump supporter. And if you're not, try to, try to put yourself in the frame of a Trump supporter. Just replace Trump with a politician who you respect. It can be JFK Jr., it doesn't matter, anybody, right? Let's assume in a fictitious world that the, your political hero was being, in your mind, uh, unfairly politically targeted, and there's a two-tier justice system, right? We saw what happened with Hunter Biden. The media played cut rain cover, said it was a, uh, it was a conspiracy theory, and then behind the scenes, the political class coordinated to get him just to sign away, get uh, his life, well, not sign away his life, just to sign a document to say I was a bad boy and uh, he gets spanked while other people who did the exact same thing have been sitting in jail for 20 years, right? Or have been sentenced to jail for 20 years. Um, so when you see the frame of that happening, um, don't you feel like you're being attacked? Think about that. Doesn't, don't you feel like you're the one being attacked as well? You know, they keep calling him... Again, whether you like him or not, he's populist, he's populist, he's, yeah, okay, populist just means representing the population. You've got to look up the definition. It's hysterical that anybody who lives in a, in a Western democracy takes the word populism and tries to smear it, which is what the communists have been trying to do for years, right? Um, but don't you feel like you're now being targeted as well, that you're being hunted, that you're being uh, oppressed? Right? It doesn't feel that way, doesn't it? Uh, Julie says DeSantis will have his time, but he needs to grow a bit more to be uh, relevant. I, I love DeSantis. He's a great governor. He was on my he got on my radar in 2014 when he was a congressman. And uh, I, I can't believe he was talked into doing this. It was a massive political blunder. I have a lot of friends who are DeSantis supporters. I've been telling them forever this is... He has the potential to nuke his political career. Don't do this. Uh, but hopefully, you know, eventually they'll all coalesce and come together. And I think everybody knows Trump will be the nominee. But uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, and, you know, uh, me and Hicks were talking about some of the people around the DeSantis camp. That's really concerning. But that's, uh, that's another issue. We'll talk about that uh, later time. Yeah, it's related to the people who sabotage the Freedom Convoy, by the way, in case you're wondering. 
Um, so we'll we'll leave that as it is. And immunity is real in uh, politics. Yeah, it's hard for him uh, to read his uh, to read the small print. Um, Jesse, not Julie. You're right. Sorry about that. And uh, oh no, that was you saying that. Okay, I, I thought I misspoke. Anyways, I'm gonna end it there. Uh, it is an hour into it. I hope I uh, upset some people because <laughs> I'm good at that. But you always want to upset the wrong people. 